This is Danny Gould, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. But you need that. I'm P.F. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, you folks are in for a real treat. Jimmy Pardo for the whole episode. In the past, we've spoken to Jimmy about baseball and music. This time, 70s TV. I'm with you. I was amazed. I thought it was one of those things like television came around to being that open. And like back then, they probably, you know, I, I thought they would just say, like, grass. that guy's selling grass, man. We'll hear more from Jimmy in just a bit. No fake news, no dumb bit. As another special treat for you folks. But before we get to Jimmy, I would just like to invite you folks that uh, may not download or, uh, you know, uh, not tune into the podcast, but, uh, you know, uh, click over to the podcast as often uh, to go back and cherry pick the episodes, as our friend Jackie Cation would say about her podcast. Uh, we've had a lot of great people on in the past couple of months. Lewis Black, Mark Marin. Uh, oh, gosh, there's tons and tons of people. Uh, and the fake news and the dumb bits I think are pretty good. I think you might enjoy them. So just go, go back and scroll through and have a listen. Download a couple. Listen to them on the way to work while you're out jogging uh, and so on and so forth. And then maybe subscribe and, and even write something nice in the iTunes reviews or the reviews on Podbean. So uh, without further ado, here is our interview with Jimmy Pardo. Hey, Jimmy, it's P.F. Hello, P.F., how are you? Pretty good, man. Are we uh, recording? Are we alive as we speak? We are, we are recording. I will welcome you into the podcast, and we'll get rolling and knock this sucker out. Let's do it. All right. Okay, joining us on P.F.'s tape recorder, it's Jimmy Pardo. Jimmy, how you doing? Uh, P.F., I'm not going to lie to you. you uh, I chose this time. Let's be very clear. Yes. I said, give me a shout. Uh, are we allowed to say what time it is? Yeah, I don't see why not. Noon... Your time, 9 a.m. my time. Yes. I'm usually up at 7.30 or 8 o'clock at the latest. Uh, I missed your first call because I was sleeping, and thank God I oh. heard the second one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, I um, I woke up Andy Kindler once, and uh, his wife couldn't believe that he had an interview scheduled because uh, he hadn't told her or anything like that, and he, and finally he came to the phone and just apologized profusely, saying he'd forgotten that he fell asleep, and then uh, we got the whole thing sorted. But, uh, yeah, I'm... I'm good at being a wake-up, the wake-up call interview. I guess, or just the thought of talking to you puts us to sleep. Yeah, that could be, yeah, that, that could be. A, <laughs> you know, if you, if you want to look at it the negative way. You know, comedians, yes. we look at things differently, P.F. That's true. You find and the that's funny. that's how I look yeah. at it. I look at it that you're a bore, and we're going to, okay, I'm <laughs> done with that bit. There you go. Now, are you feeling groggy when you wake up from, or is it, this is, you were still sleeping from last night? Because I know you wake up from a nap I, sometimes. That's... I guess I'm still sleeping from last night. Okay. I, I don't, uh, I don't know why I was sleeping so heavily. It's, uh. Very interesting, and uh, I didn't even hear my son and wife uh, go off to school, so... Wow. Uh, yeah, very crazy. Very, very... We'll, but we'll get through it. It's, uh, you know, it's a brand new day. It is. Uh, sun is shining. It's probably already 80 degrees outside. 
It's a, it's a balmy 26 in Cincinnati right now as we're recording this. Hang on, I'm going to give you an exact. I'm going to go right over here to what we call it. Uh, outdoor 59, so it says. 59 outdoor. They, with There's a, no way. With a thermometer, as you might say? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, well, it's going to be chilly here when you come, too, probably, so uh, you know, dress accordingly, I'm sure. I will do that. I always forget, I always forget that, and I under... Uh, I always end up coming back from the uh, that area of the country with a new jacket <laughs> um, because I always underpack. But uh, I, I will not do that this year because I, I it's been very well documented how cold it's been in that area. Yes, it has. Yes, the polar vortex. <laughs> yes, I don't need to hear that phrase ever again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I guess the big news with uh, you is the fact that uh, the big announcement on Never Not Funny uh, last week. Yeah, we're going free. We're, uh, you know, we joined Airwolf, where you partnered up with Airwolf. I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, I, I know it's, you know, it's not like, uh, uh, you know, they came to us and said, uh, you know, hey, do a podcast and we'll put you on our network. So it's like, uh, and they didn't acquire us. You can't acquire, you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not a network acquirer. So it's not So I guess the, uh, you know, I guess the word goes. That seems like the safest way to describe it. But they, you know, yeah. Uh, wanted us to be part of their team, the Airwolf team. There, the uh, it's kind of a band and uh, they're great. Uh, you know, who did uh, 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 that sort of thing? And um, you know, it was time. It was time to do something not funny. And uh, you know, we've been hounded in the past by these networks that we've always ignored it. We've always been our own guy, but it was time. So, why the plunge with Earwolf as opposed to like? Sideshow or people like that. Years, at least ten years on various projects. You know, we did. Uh, you know, my one man show along with BJ Porter. Not my one man show. Um, a pre- after my one man show, we did a presentation called Jimmy Porter's Dance Party. Uh, that Scott and BJ Porter and myself wrote. Uh, mostly those two, and. Um, then Scott and I worked together on some other projects, and then we did, uh, you know, Match Game Live at uh, the UCB Theater. He and I were doing together, and it just seemed like it just seemed like the right fit for us. It seemed uh, it seemed like Earwolf was the the right the the, the right landing spot for Never Not Funny. Okay, yeah, and I think a lot of people will be excited now to uh, to get the show free because when it, when you're a primo member, you kind of feel you know you're, you're obligated to stay for that whole tour. It's like the buffet mentality, I guess, as Gary Goldman would put it. You really want to, you know. You want to get your money's worth and make sure you yeah. listen to that whole two, two and a half hours sometimes. So. Well, why wouldn't you want to? I mean, if you're paying the money, you'd want to anyway. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, if, you're, if you're dropping the dough, you're, you're excited that it's two and a half hours. It's probably, you know, they're probably not going to be that long anymore. They're going to be, you know, the, the free episode will probably be closer to, you know, tighter to the hour and a half like we always wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, and by the way, what I say, I always wanted it to be, you know, the show started in, I think it was 20 minutes, and it became 30, then it'd be 45, then an hour, then an hour and a half, and now it's... No, it just goes until I run out of time, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it goes by fast, too, though. That's the thing, you know. Well, it is the fastest hour in podcast. It is. It is. Uh, And it's live on tape. Um, Yes, it is. Yeah, we uh, tried to get this show on the uh, Sideshow Network, 
and uh, that didn't go very well. I, I dropped Paul Mercurio's name because I'm friendly with him. Uh, it was the same way we are from interviewing him over the years. And, uh-huh. uh, and so I, the initial email went well. And they're like, oh, you, you go to our site, you see all the guests, you, uh, Mr. Marin, uh, Paul, Jackie Cation, you know, a lot of great people. And then so they were impressed with that. And then when they actually listened to it, they were like, gee, we don't really have the bandwidth <laughs> new stuff. So, oh, wow. Yeah, I don't, I don't think people get it. The only guy that actually got it without hearing is Adam Spiegelman when he reviewed it for uh, – he was nice enough to do me a square – uh, and review it on iTunes. He runs the Proudly Resents podcast, and he got it. I know Adam very well. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, and he's, he's buddies with Caleb Bacon, who you're also uh, friends with. But, yes, and uh, also Caleb always helps us every year with uh, the podcast of right. He's a good, good man, a good, talented writer. Yeah, I had no idea that he was uh, mixed up with a podcastathon until you mentioned it, like uh, before last year's podcastathon. He, uh, you know, what the thing about Caleb Bacon when we did the very first podcastathon. In 2009, when it was a very small affair up in uh, in our old studio space, uh, he was the first guy to volunteer. Um, you know, he had interviewed uh, uh, Matt and I, I think, for either L.A. Weekly or L.A.ist. Okay. Uh, about podcasting very early on, uh-huh. and then uh, you know we just got an email one day saying, uh, you know, I'd like to help you guys out with podcast on. We're like, yeah, all right. I don't know what that means because we don't <laughs> know what we're doing, but great. Yeah, he does a great show called Man School for folks listening. That's uh, going, yeah, good guy. It's going really well. Yeah. So, uh, what else is new in, in the land of Pardo? Or is it just same old, same old? Plugging away at the podcast, working uh, over at the Conan O'Brien show, and getting out on the road uh, once or twice a month. That's it, man. That is it. I, I haven't. I have not been on the road uh, since the. What is it? The beginning of the, you know. I was. I was uh, iced in. Um, I was supposed to be in Austin, Texas. That's at right. The beginning of December, but I was snowed in or iced in in, uh, in Dallas. Hang on, I, mean, I go to what I call a calendar PF, <laughs> and I'm going to uh, do this along with you. All right, so I'm going to uh, Cincinnati, 24, 25 of uh, January. The last time, okay, yeah, I was supposed to. Holy mackerel, this is insane. I have not been on the road since November the first. Uh, doing comedy, with the exception of, uh, like I said, when I went, when I did try to leave to go to uh, Austin, and then uh, Dallas, Texas was a uh, was a, Texas was in an ice storm, and uh, so I didn't even do that weekend. So I, I have not done a. I did this a, a great experiment. I have not done an hour of uh, material or an hour show in uh, two months. Wow. Yeah, we'll see what happens. This could be uh, a lot of fun, loosey goosey, or it could be the biggest disaster in comedy history. I'm leaning closer to that. <laughs> I think not. I think you're much more suited uh, to that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of environment or that kind of situation. I think so too. I think I think we'll, I think we'll be okay, and I think it's yeah. going to be a delight and a joy for the folks at Cincinnati. And now we could say your style really has um, has changed a lot over the years, probably more so. Like a lot of comedians, they, it's it's a similar voice at the beginning. It just gets more polished and more focused. But you really kind of changed uh, over the years to where you're it's much uh, loose, more loosey goosey, as you would say, and uh, not, not so many jokey jokes left in there anymore. Well, I mean, you know, the, you know, I always like to say the skeleton is there. There's always yeah. there's always the the premise of the, uh, you know, the, not the premise, but the, the structure of what I'm going to do, uh, that never changes. I mean, the, the, you know, the stories, you know, I always I tell a story about going to the movie theater with the other comedian, and that story's always there. Oh, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> it either takes one minute because there's nothing funny that I can find in the room to embellish it with, yeah. or it will take 32 minutes to tell that story. Ah, okay. Um, so, but that story is there. You know, you, you, got, you know, the clothesline is there. It's just a matter of what laundry gets hung on it. 
And if you don't think I just love the fact that I said that, you're wrong. <laughs> well, I was going to say, too, the last time you were here, you um, uh, started with, uh, I guess, what sounded like something that had been bugging you that week. You were talking about uh, Sarah Palin, and then you mentioned your drive-in from uh, from our airport and some of the construction you had to go through. And then it kind of got, you know, it, it freed up a little bit. So does that kind of stuff change often? I would imagine it would, because I guess there's different things bugging you week to week. To well, where... it, it's, it's, you know... Uh... I just, you know, you try to get, God, as lame as it sounds, you try to do some local stuff. You know, you try to make it, uh, that, oh, he knows about our roads, he knows about that dead mall, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and don't, and don't, make no mistake, those those gems will be polished off for the for the 24th, 25th. <laughs> uh, you know, the, there's that mall there that, uh, you know, I, don't, I, I always say, I don't know if it's uh, opening or closing. Uh, I think I saw Will Smith. Uh, Will Smith walking through there with a dog, <laughs> and uh, boy, do people enjoy that joke. So, uh, it, yeah, it's 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 that. You know, it, you know, back in the day, I used to have a great opening line about you know, I'm, uh, it's great to be here. I'm going to be saying that quite a bit just to convince myself, uh, you know, this is a shit gig for me, and um, it used to kill. And then all of a sudden, I got. Uh, I don't want to say famous, that doesn't seem, but I got some more notoriety, I got a little bit more recognizable, and that line ended up coming off dicky as opposed to funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, because you're, so, you know, yeah, that makes sense. Go ahead, I'm sorry? That makes sense, because, you know, when you come, it's a, you know, it's, it's a special event, no passes accepted, so there's that little, you know, caveat that says this is, you know, isn't just your, your normal headlining comedian coming through, this is, you know, a little, it's a step up, at least. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, like I think I'm I'm kind of caught in the middle where I'm I, when I was a nobody and I would act like I was a big shot doing everybody a favor it worked yeah yeah and I think if I was famous like really really famous and I said hey it's going to be here I'm you know uh, who am I kidding this is a shit gig yeah I think then the audience would go, oh yeah famous guy being funny but you know when you're caught in the middle like I am it's like mm. jokes like that you just come off like a dick yeah <laughs> yeah I could see that so the whole point I bring that up though is that yeah. like now I don't you know that was a tried and true, you know, opening line to get, you know, there'd be like five laps in that first, you know, 45 seconds because of it, you know, just, it was just, you know, boom, 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 boom. And, and then, you know, I also establishing my personality and that is gone. So now it's kind of, I get up there and, you know, got to pray to Christ something happened on the drive-in so I could talk about it. Yeah, let me ask your uh, professional opinion because I just did an open microphone and I changed my opening joke from the past couple of times I did it. But how often? It's like asking the mechanic, how often should you change your oil? How often should you change your opening joke? You know, I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, again, I had that shit gig joke that I was opening with for years and thought it was perfectly acceptable to do so. Uh, yet I do remember being. You know, you always think you're, you know, you always think you're, you know it all when you're an open mic or an opening, you know, an opener or a feature. Like everybody else is stupid and you're smart. Oh, not me. And <laughs> I would, uh, I would see these other headliners and and they'd be doing, the, you know, they'd come through Chicago and say, like, oh, the guy still has that opening line. It's like, well, don't you still have yours? So I think if you find one that works, you know, the audience is new every night. Yeah. You know, we get so bogged down with. I mean, I do think it's great people like Pat Oswalt, the Louis C.K. and these uh, Bill Burr, these type of guys. You know they turn over their material so often, but uh, no, that audience is new. They, they, you know, they, they don't they don't know the jokes. So, so unless you're doing it in front of the same people every night, who cares? And related to that, are you, um, you know, one of these are the philosophy that you need to be funny right out of the box, or because I know a lot of people get really upset when the comedian doesn't start right off with a joke and just you know, bam, jump right into it. 
Well, again, I'm, I'm torn because I, I, I do think, I do, I, I don't know, I think, I think it's nice to establish yourself as a comic and, and your voice so that, the, you know, the people that don't know you know what they're getting into. But, you know, I, you know, it, 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 it's a little bit apples and oranges because I, I would have said, you know, if you would have asked me that question five years ago, I would have said, no question, you got to come out and, and, and really just get a laugh right away so they know who you are, but... I think more and more as people, for me anyway, when people you know who know me come to see me, I have a little more leeway where I can meander or do whatever, and you know they they know the funny's going to show up eventually. Yeah, and I I guess as um the podcast kind of you know put you more in that even more that mindset because now you're every week you're having you know uh, that kind of a conversation a funny conversation with a couple other funny people, and does that kind of you know made that muscle stronger for you when you're uh, you know talking to an audience in a in a club? Yeah, you know, it's 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 funny. There's times where I then have to remember, hey, there's an audience here. You can't just ramble on and on. Um, you know, it, it's, always, it's almost the opposite. There's guys that, you know, uh, radio guys, you know, that have been doing radio forever. Then they, when they get in front of a live audience, you know, and, and they're not used to hearing laughs at all. So they go into a panic yeah. immediately if they're not hearing laughs, even though they never hear laughs. You know, like, they, they, they don't trust that they're going to find them. Uh, boy, I'm kind of talking in circles here. But the answer is yes. Uh, the podcast has helped a lot with that. And ignore the last rambling thing I said about DJs. It made great sense. I'm well, just not interested in talking about it. Well, no, because I do, I do fake news on the show every week, although except for this show probably will be just all you for the whole thing as a treat to the listeners. But when I do fake no, news... that is a treat. When I, when I do fake news, I do little pauses, not because I think people are laughing, just because it sounds natural, but they're different pauses than I would do on stage if hopefully people happen to be laughing. And even when I you know, go do the open mic, it still throws me because the pacing is different. So It is different. It's a different pacing, and... And, um, yeah, it, it's one of those things like on the podcast, you know, you could say whatever you want and if it's funny, great. And if it's not, you move on and you start, you keep talking like the way we do as people. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you could do that in comedy too. Like, and I know I'm very guilty of it where I could just, you know, it's one of those things where you get to the point where you think everything you say is going to be funny. Yeah. And sometimes (laughs) it's, sometimes it's just a sentence. Yep. Yeah, and that's okay. You know, I mean, you know, nobody, nobody, unless you're doing one-liners, you know, uh, and if you're living your life walking around delivering one-liners, nobody gets a laugh with every sentence they say. That would be insane. Yeah. So you know, it's, if if you're communicating, it's a conversation. It's okay for a couple of sentences not to get laughs. Now, um, we've talked in the past about uh, baseball, our love of baseball, yes. and our love of the uh, 80s music. Uh, I didn't know recently you've come up with something that uh, I've also concurrently uh, revisited, of course. And, oh, and speaking of music, I'm going to owe you a, a sampler when you show up in Cincinnati. i got to make myself I look forward to it. And uh, anyway, uh, 70s TV shows. Yes. Yes. Uh, Kojak, currently the only one you're watching, or have you expanded out to watch more? I have not, I have not expanded, and I don't, I don't see the expansion happening. Um I, Kojak stands up. It's, um, you know, my former uh, co-host, Mike Schmidt, turned me, he's like, you got to, and it turns out my brother as well. My brother uh, got, I, I don't want to say offended, that's way too strong of a word, but when I, I was speaking to him over the holidays, and I said, you know, you got you to watch Kojak, and he said, Jim, I told you that a year ago, it stands <laughs> up. And it was like, oh, I, I, and he goes, yeah, but you, you ignored me. I'm like, well, apparently I didn't, I apologize, but uh, there's something about these Kojaks, they're so well-written, so well-directed that they, you know, uh, and they're they're slow and they're plotting, and but the yeah. acting is great, the scripts are great, 
But I have not know why. Have you have you delved into some other seventy stuff? Uh, yeah. Well, I saw an episode actually. Well, like you, the the MeTV network runs here, and since we don't have cable, we get it over the air. So that's a good source right. of our programming. And I watched a Kojak uh, last summer, and surprised at some of the issues they dealt with. This dude was dealing uh, dope out of his car, and then they found him dead in his convertible in New York, and then he was also selling cocaine. To, I'm thinking, wow, this is I didn't I didn't think you could show this in the seventies. Uh, and they sure did. It was some some pretty intense. I, I didn't stuff. either. I, I was. Ama- I, I'm with you. I was amazed. I thought it was one of those things like that. We, you know, like uh, television came around to being that open. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like back then, they probably you know I, I thought they would just say like grass. That guy's selling grass, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but no, you're. I mean, and even our Kojak gets crazy. You know, you'll hear the N word sometimes. And, uh, you know, that woman's just a whore. It's yeah. Like, Jesus Christ, really? <laughs> like, like yeah. I, it's one of those things, like, I, I, I'd be interested to do it. Like, was the, did the FCC tighten down after that? Um, because, I mean, that's pretty crazy language that would never, never have happened in the 90s or certainly the early 2000s. Yeah, I don't know if it was, uh, if, you know, they felt they could get looser gradually because, you know, such a, the 70s was such a, you know, uh, an advanced time, I guess they were thinking for the time. I'm not sure, but um, I don't either. It's a, but you know what? Uh, I was just looking over at my DVDs. I you know, growing up, I loved Beretta. Just loved it. Yeah, buddy and, of mine uh, really liked as that. A kid, but yeah, that one doesn't hold up for me. I went back and revisited that. I got the DVDs, and it, it, yeah, it just you know it it, it doesn't hold up. Yeah. And it's and, and I saw some Starsky and Hutches, and those didn't either. Um, maybe they stunk at the time. I don't know because Kojak was considered a good show at the time. Oh yeah, yeah, it was it was a top show. I do uh, do a Rockford Files every now and again. Got the DVDs and also will catch it on MeTV. And that, one, that one still works, right? I think my dad told me that one still flies. You agree with that? Oh, def- definitely. Yeah. In fact, I watched one uh, a couple of weeks ago. Rob Reiner was the guest star. Isn't that? That's the cool thing about these. You oh see yeah. These people. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's neat. Yeah, doing Adam Twelve and a Dragnet. Those still really hold up well. Sure. Yeah. Uh, old Jack Webb, and um, to go to, oh, and the other thing we do, and this is, I don't know why MeTV does it this way, but they will show The Love Boat on Sunday afternoons at 2, which is okay. insane, and then the other rerun network, I think it's called Kozai, C-O-Z-I, also over the air, runs Fantasy Island Sundays at 8. Well, you know what we do. Yeah, you tape them watching back-to-back like the old days. On Saturday night? Yeah, like you're supposed that, to. That a boy. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And man, boy, again, talk about seeing a lot of guest stars. Holy cow. Yeah, it's you know it. it I, I I admit that when the love boat comes on, I have two emotions. The emotion one is that uh, uh, it brings you back to that time, of course. Sure. And, and and so there's some happiness there, but then there's also some sadness because it was like, uh, you know, yeah. I guess it's just nostalgia. You know, it's a oh, little totally. melancholy. I remember sitting and, and you know we every other Saturday we would have uh, either a pizza or yeah. frozen dinner, and it, my mom and stepdad would go out bowling. Oh, okay. And, and we would watch Love Boat Fantasy Island, that, you know, that one-two punch. And so here, even hearing the Love Boat theme just immediately brings me back to that. And, uh, uh, but, yeah, the, uh, long way around to go, yes, a lot of guest stars, too. And, you know, we had Jill Whalen on our podcast-a-thon this past year. Oh, I didn't know that. And, uh, yeah, that yeah, part. Jill was on. Okay. And um, she told a very uh, great story that I will not repeat because uh, it's her story. Okay. Uh, about funny. Tommy Smothers, and I think if I told it, I would uh, be okay. sued. But since it's her story, she's okay. Right. And uh, but you can still download that episode of the podcast a thon, right? And 
Yeah, you could buy. I, I forget what the cost is. I'm not okay. a very good businessman, but I think it's, it might be 20 bucks, and you get the entire you know 13 hours. Okay, cool. All right, and we can look for that as well. So fans of Love Boat, uh, be advised. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, boy. That's yeah. I and I think I told her this that uh, as a kid, you don't really understand how television works, and I truly bought that they were out at sea. I still it, watch to this day, though. I think some well, a lot of the exteriors are shot on the boat because sometimes it looks like when they're against the railing that they're really outside, and other times you can tell they're on a soundstage. And uh, it's, uh, she explained it. I forget. I, darn it! It's it's unfair to me that I don't remember. You know, they, they obviously they do all the sound stakes, like you said. They do all the interiors there. Yeah, the yeah. Set. Mm-hmm. And then do they go out? I think maybe once a season. She said they would go out on an actual uh, cruise and then sense. shoot the exteriors. I yeah. think. Yeah, that makes um, sense. But again, as a kid, dummy, just assumed that when you know they walked from. Uh, the promenade deck into a stateroom. I assumed that they were doing that. You know. Yeah, yeah. I thought they, they, you know, they leased out the ship for the season, and then they shot all the episodes on it, and you know, it was kind of a mini vacation for these stars. And right. Uh, yeah. Um, my wife was watching Gilligan's Island the other night on on MeTV, and she was watching it with my daughter, uh, who was kind of getting into it because her my wife's dad was a big fan of it, so they thought they'd give it a try. And I said, "Oh, uh, which one is this?" And my wife says, "This is the one where they almost got off the island." There we go. Yeah. There's the classic, right? Isn't that a lovely piece of business, as you would say? It is a good piece of business. I, I laugh for like 10 minutes. Um, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, no, let me ask you, as an adult, do you want to punch that show in the face? Uh, yeah, boy, it's yeah, it is a little nerve-wracking, isn't it? <laughs> Be- because of what you just said, it's like, I mean, it is the joke, the one where they almost get off the island, but it's like, as a kid, you don't see the flaws in that movie, you know, or in that movie, that TV show. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't, you somehow don't realize that every episode is the same. Where it's like they're they're almost going to get off, yeah. And then Gilligan screws it up. Exactly. Well, across ninety nine episodes, though, they found a lot of inventive ways to you know uh, get you know dream sequences and whatnot, and different people landing on the island and and things like that. And you know. nobody, nobody helps them all. I got, yeah. Oh, I think if I watched that show today, I would go up on a tower and shoot at people. I really do. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's nice once in a while to kind of cleanse the palate, you know, if you're watching sure. other stuff. But yeah, it's uh, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. This is they're all like this. <laughs> it's all this episode. Yeah, and uh, and the acting's not even good enough to like, you know, go. Yeah, but the acting's phenomenal. It's like everything about it is exactly what it is. It's a it's, yeah. a, it's a bad sitcom that we all loved. Yes, yes, and uh, yeah, again, they got 99 episodes out of that sucker in just three seasons. Jesus, which is crazy. 30. Yeah, it is. That's 33 a season, my math. Yeah, that's a You're doing your math correctly. Thank but, you, PF. But, um, and, uh, of course, back before the time, any of those people would make money off of that situation. Say it again? And that was back before the time, and they would make money off of that situation as far as the syndication rights go and everything. You know, as a, as a father, uh, as a son-in-law of a gentleman that was on Star Trek in that era, yes, that's right. I'm well aware of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess even with the movies, when they came back, uh, they still weren't very generous to the rest of the you know, the, the top. You had the top two guys, and then everybody else is like, "Well, if you could make it, that'd be awesome." But if not, you know what? <laughs> it's yeah, like this. It's, uh, yeah, and that's a shame. Well, to your father-in-law's credit, though, he had a, a you know a career beyond that in the fact that he was also a writer. He uh, appeared in another successful series, so you know. Uh, yeah, he's, he's been great. And he, you know, just last year he got a star on the Wall of Fame. And, oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, uh, you know his handprints are down at the. Chinese theater, which I, 
you know, everybody talks about the star on the Walk of Fame, which I think is amazing, but, you know, when you walk down there and you, people are, you can see people putting their handprints in your father-in-law's handprint, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I met your, your father-in-law, was at the only Star Trek convention I ever went to. Even though I love the show, one was enough for me. Yeah, it was him. He told some great, some great stories too, and he was very self-effacing because someone asked him if, if in the, it was right before Star Trek three was going to come. It was between two and three, and someone asked if he, if he was going to scream in, in three, and he was very affable about it and said, "You know, actually, I think I am." <laughs> ah, that's so, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, uh, yeah, he's a good guy. He's got a good sense of humor, and uh, of course, we're talking about Walter Koenig. Yes, yes. Um, and. Uh, yeah, you know, I never, I never saw the show. I, I would stumble across it accidentally on Sunday mornings in Chicago. Um, for, for whatever. So when I when I first started dating my beautiful wife and then met her father, it was just you know meeting any other person's dad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'd only ever, I still to the second I've only ever seen Wrath of Khan because I had to watch it for um, when I used to host movies at our house for AMC. Oh yeah, uh, love that movie. Ago. One of my favorites. Ah. Seriously, Wait, oh yeah. Or movies at our house. Uh, the Con. Oh, and God. movies at our I house. Were, I, thought were, I thought you were being a suck up jackass interviewer, and I was going to punch you. L- Lord, no, no. the Con, man, still I could. Oh, uh, thank God. Oh, one of my favorites. Movies at our house. Uh, that would have been awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you know what else they need to bring back from the seventies? I think I don't know. Gary Lucy, I think, posted on Facebook. He was out at Pepperdine University where they filmed this program, Battle of the Network Stars. You know, I, I, I think that every, I, I always think, why isn't the, I, I, I agree, but I think it's different in this day and age. I think you might agree with this, P.F. And, and it almost feels the same with like Hollywood Squares or something. We, when we were kids and Hollywood Squares would come on, and you got to see, I can't even, I can't even, I, I wanted to say, Dom, you got to see Don DeLuise, you know, just being himself, you know, in, in, in street clothes. Yeah. You know, that was, that was exciting. And I think it's the same with, uh, with Battle Network stars, like we see these people so often these days with TMZ or reality shows or whatever that you know, seeing you know Zac Efron go down a zip line wouldn't have the same power that you know it did when we saw Rod Howard do it back in '74. You know what I mean? Yeah. Another thing I'm just thinking as you're saying that too is that there's so much more. You know, or as many people going to know who Brian Cranston is. You know. Going to go, going against Ty Burrell. I mean, you know, you might know one or the other, but you, maybe you don't know both unless you watch, you know, both Breaking Bad and Modern Family. You know, and that's yeah. I don't, uh, and I guess that's the other thing too. There's a lot more network. Oh, you know what? But you know, Chris uh, Hardwick tried to do that a little bit with that Nerdist uh, bowling tournament that he did, uh, where it would be the battle of the different. Uh, you know, he had Breaking Bad versus Nerdist, or you know, uh, uh, the podcasters versus Nerdist or other TV shows. So he kind of did a little bit, and people seem to like it, so uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this uh, maybe this thing could work. Yeah, maybe. Battle of the Podcast Stars. Aha, uh-huh. yeah. It'd be, uh, I think we'd all just go to Graham Elwood and Chris Mancini's PodFest and all wrestle. <laughs> there you go. All right, man, anything yeah. else new? Any other, any other orders of business you, uh, you want to get out of the way? Nope, that's it, man. That's it. Just, uh, you know, Never Not Funny, uh, coming out to Cincinnati. Uh, good talking to some 70s TV with you. And that uh, that's all I got, baby. Cool, man. Any other uh, gigs planned uh, later in the year yet, or is the calendar not filled up yet? Uh, God, no. You know what? Uh, let's see, was it February? Uh, end of February is Madison, Wisconsin, and then Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and then I have no idea after that. Okay. 
Sounds good, man. All right. But, you know, JimmyPardo.com can give you all this information. Exactly. Exactly. For all things Jimmy Pardo, and, uh, and of course, go to now Earwolf now and get the, the uh, podcast for free. Or I guess on iTunes, it'll be free now as well, right? Yeah. You know, uh, iTunes, Earwolf, uh, you know, of course, Podcast.com or NeverNotFunnyPodcast.com. Uh, you know, all sorts of uh, ways to get to this thing. Awesome. All right, man. Well, we'll probably check you out on Friday. Head out to the show. All right. Cool, man. And uh, we'll, we'll see you then. We'll say hi. We'll give you a CD. I look forward to it. Is it the best of 2013? Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, probably, yeah. I look forward to uh, popping it in and listening to it. Awesome, man. All right. Well, thanks again for taking the time, Jimmy. You bet. All right. uh, good talking to you, PF. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Jimmy Pardo for being on the show. Boy, a full conversation with Jimmy is just way better than uh, fake news or a dumb bit. So uh, that, that's why I always take the extra time with Jimmy. All right, you can catch a Jimmy. Let me see here. Um, well, if you're downloading this in time, January 24th and 25th, it's in Cincinnati at Nego Bananas Comedy Club there in Montgomery. And then February 1st, uh, Never Not Funny is live at Sketchfest there in San Francisco. That's a big uh, to-do out there in Northern California. So uh, you, if you're out that way, you can catch Jimmy and uh, Matt and the whole crew out there. Then February 21st, 22nd, Madison, Wisconsin at the Comedy Club on State. February 28th through March 1st in Cedar Rapids, Iowa at Penguins Comedy Club. And then April 18th and 19th, he returns to the Tri-State area, as we call it. He'll be at Wiley's Comedy Club in Dayton, Ohio. All right. Uh, well, let me see. Just uh, go through the credits. It's here, and again, oh, but, but again, remind you if you've if you've stuck with us this long, please go back and uh, listen to other episodes. Uh, I think you dig them. Uh, a lot of people that are in the same comedy orbit as Jimmy uh, are on the show. Pat Francis was on the show. Uh, Jimmy's good friend. Uh, a couple months back, we did a, an homage to Pat's show, Rock Solid. We did one to BBC. There's all kind of silly things going on. I think you dig it. You go back and listen. All right. So uh, credits, of course. Uh, follow me on Twitter at pf66. Um, if I can say that, uh, like the podcast on Facebook, uh, music performed and composed by John Bropolis and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. PF tape recorder logo designed by Dan Coble. Follow him at Tiger Dactyl on Twitter. Um, I believe that is all we have for this week. Other than to say so long and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.